Good morning from Beirut, Lebanon. This is Mina Now. It's Tuesday, December 8th, and this is your morning briefing. Starting off with the main news in Lebanon today, first, Prime Minister-designate Saad Hariri on Monday discussed names of potential ministers, including Christian ministers, during a meeting with President Michelon that has relaunched the stalled cabinet formation process after a three-week standstill, an official source said. Now, no major breakthrough was made during the talks between the two leaders in the weeks-long formation in Passé, but the two did agree to follow up on the talks on the government formation at another meeting on Wednesday, said a source, who could not confirm whether Hariri had presented on with a draft cabinet lineup, as had been widely expected. Lebanon stressed on Monday during a routine multilateral meeting with the Israeli army and the United Nations interim force in Lebanon on the need for the Israeli state to withdraw from all occupied territories. Now, the call for the pullout included from areas adjacent to the north of the Blue Line, the Sheba Farms, Akfar Shuba Hills, the northern part of the town of Ghajar, and the B1 UN Acknowledged Point, which is the first land point of the Blue Line. And during the meeting held at the UNIFIL headquarters in Naora, south of Lebanon, and chaired by UNIFIL Commander Major General Stefano Del Col, the three parties discussed the latest developments along the Blue Line, with the Lebanese state reaffirming its commitment to the UN Security Council Resolution 1701, which prohibits all armed militias from operating anywhere in all of Lebanon, and also includes no weapons or authority in Lebanon other than that of the Lebanese state, and the Lebanese army. Lebanon also reiterated the necessity of including the occupied B1 point in future UN reports and resolutions, similar to how the rest of the occupied territories are mentioned. The removal of subsidies in Lebanon without guarantees to protect the vulnerable would amount to a social catastrophe, two UN agencies said on Monday, warning there is no parachute to soften the blow. With Lebanon deep in financial crisis, the central bank has been subsiding basic goods by providing hard currency to importers at the old exchange rate of 1,500 Lebanese pounds to the dollar, even as the currency fell by 80% from the peg. And Central Bank Governor Riyad Saleme said last week that the subsidies could be kept for only two more months, urging the state should come up with a plan. The impact of removing price subsidies on the country's most vulnerable households will be tremendous, and yet there is almost nothing in place to help soften the fall, the UNICEF's Lebanon country representative and the ILO's regional director wrote in an op-ed. The universal way in which Lebanon has been subsiding basic goods, including fuel, wheat and medicine, has been widely criticized, including by senior politicians from ruling parties, because it does not target those most in need. And a rough analysis shows up to 80% of the subsidies may actually be benefiting the wealthiest 50%, with only 20% going to the poor half. UNICEF representative and ILO regional director wrote in their OPED. And on the same note, protesters on Monday staged a sit-in outside the government's headquarters in Riyadh al-Sulah to denounce plans to end the subsidization of some essential goods, the national news agency said. 
They later blocked the vital ring highway in central Beirut with burning tires and trash bins before heading to Hamra, where they staged a demo outside the Ministry of Economy. Rounding up the news in Lebanon, caretaker Hamad Hassan told Independent Arabia on Monday that Lebanon has booked around 2 million Pfizer vaccines that will be given to around 30% of the Lebanese population to be distributed free of charge to segments of the society as targeted in a plan placed by the company and the Lebanese Ministerial Committee. On the same note, Lebanon records 16 new coronavirus deaths and 984 cases. Shifting to the second segment of this episode, the region at a glance. First, Iran on Monday flatly dismissed a call by Saudi Arabia for Gulf states to be consulted on any potential negotiations with the Islamic Republic on its nuclear program. Saudi Foreign Minister Prince Faisal bin Farhan had on Saturday sought that the kingdom be fully consulted on what goes on vis-à-vis the negotiations with Iran. The request, however, was rejected on Monday by Iran's foreign ministry spokesman, Saeed Khatib Zadeh. Khatib Zadeh also accused Riyadh of funding extremist ideology and being responsible for many of the, quote, troubles of the Arab and Islamic world, saying that Saudi people deserve better. Egypt-led Africa for COVID-19 resiliency news site Ahram Online has reported, adding that it was third in the Middle East. The ranking measured the ability of countries to combat the coronavirus pandemic and determined the best countries to live in during the crisis based on a set of sub-indicators, including monthly cases, monthly fatality rates, total deaths per million, positive test cases, access to COVID-19 vaccines, lockdown severity, community mobility, and 2020 GDP growth forecast. Ahram Online, which quoted a Bloomberg report, added that Egypt's ranking indicated the country recorded an average of seven cases per 100,000 citizens monthly and a total of 64 deaths per 1 million citizens since the outbreak hit the country. Egyptian officials have been coordinating with Gavi, the Global Vaccine Alliance, to procure 20 million doses of the coronavirus vaccine with the initial supplies of jabs expected by May 2021. The doses are said to cover up to 20% of the country's needs, especially for frontline health workers and those most vulnerable to the disease. As the Pentagon pulls troops out of the Middle East in the coming weeks under orders from President Trump, U.S. military leaders are working to find other ways to deter potential attacks by Iran and its proxies and to counter arguments that America is abandoning the region. A senior U.S. military official with the knowledge of the region said on Monday that Iran may try to take advantage of America's troop withdrawals from Iraq and Afghanistan, and the planned departure of the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz from the Arabian Gulf. The official said that as a result, military leaders have determined that based on the security situation in the region, the Nimitz must remain there now and for some time to come. In addition, the official said an additional fighter jet squadron may also be sent to the region if needed. The Nimitz left the Gulf region and was sent to begin heading home, 
but the ship was ordered to return last week to provide additional security while the troop withdrawals from Iraq and Afghanistan continue. A U.S. defense official said at the time that the decision would ensure that American troops could deter any adversary from taking action against U.S. forces. No timeline was given, but the U.S. military official speaking on Monday made it clear that the change is open-ended, and it's not clear when the ship's crew will return home. The potential Iranian threat has become an increasing concern in recent weeks following the assassination of Iranian nuclear scientist Mohsen Fakhrizadeh. Iran has blamed the death on Israel, which has been suspected in previous killings of Iranian nuclear scientists. U.S. officials are also worried about a possible Iranian reactive strike on the first anniversary of the U.S. airstrike that killed Iran's top general, Qasem Soleimani, and senior Iraqi militia leaders near Baghdad's airport in early January. The military officials said that the U.S. is aware of Iranian attack planning and threats and that some are more mature while others are aspirational. A key worry, he said, is that Iranian-backed militias in Iraq may be willing to act even without the blessings or direction of Tehran. Rounding up the news in the region, Pope Francis will bring a message of peace on a four-day visit to Iraq set in March, the first by a Roman Catholic pope. The papal itinerary will include Baghdad, Erbil, Mosul, and Karakosh. He will also visit the ancient city of Ur, said to be the birthplace of the Muslim, Christian, and Jewish patriarch, Ibrahim. The trip to Iraq at the invitation of the Iraqi government and the local Catholic Church is planned for March 5th to the 8th. Iraq's Christian communities have been devastated by the sectarian warfare that followed the 2003 U.S.-led invasion and the Daesh sweep through a third of the country in 2014. The visit to Mosul will be particularly significant as it was a Daesh stronghold. Having said this, we have now reached the end of Mina Now's podcast episode. As always, thank you so much for your time and don't forget to subscribe. I'll be here every morning. This is Mina Now.